Let's hear God's word to us. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented. Let me start over. Now, there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men and all their weaknesses, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gregory of Nyssa was an early church father who lived in the 4th century. Speaking of the term mercy, he said, True mercy is a voluntary sorrow that joins itself into the suffering of another. The New Testament concept of mercy is rooted in the Old Testament. Perhaps you're familiar with the passage from the prophet Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. Do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. The love kindness part of that verse is meaning mercy. The Greek, the Hebrew word is chesed. Chesed. It means God's steadfast love or God's compassion or God's loving kindness. We see all of that rooted in the word translated in the New Testament mercy. Earlier in this series on who is Jesus, chapter 4 verse 16 of Hebrews really spoke to me and I believe it's the really the center of this whole book and the message of Jesus. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. And I just love this passage. I encourage you to commit it to memory and imagine how God is there just waiting for us no matter what our need or what our situation or circumstance and is there ready to offer mercy through His Son Jesus Christ and grace. Mercy is God's compassion on us when God meets our needs physical, emotional, or spiritual. And grace means that God's mercy is free. We don't deserve it. We can't work for it or earn it. It's free and without cost. All we have to do is open our hands and receive the gift of God's mercy through His grace. To try to help illustrate this understanding of mercy, I thought I'd tell you a story. It's a personal story, and it's not meant to draw any attention to myself. Please don't hear it that way. I just want to try to help illustrate this understanding of God's mercy. Several years ago, while serving the church where we came from in Mechanicsville, Virginia, we were there 16 plus years, 
I was leaving work one day and heading home. The road the church was situated on is a typical two-lane secondary road, two-way secondary road. And as I rushed out of the parking lot going, well, too fast, I rounded the curve and there was one of Hanover's finest just waiting on me. Oh, no. Sure enough, I looked in my rearview mirror and there was the blue light. I was busted. I pulled over into the rescue squad parking lot, which is where I'm supposed to take a right to head down toward our subdivision, just hoping that no church members drove by seeing their pastor pulled over by one of our officers. The devil on the right, I mean, on the, this shoulder, uh, said, maybe you can use your clergy business card along with the license and registration and see what will happen. Maybe you'll... And the angel over on the other side just had their arms on their hips, just shaking their head in nonsense. And I'm very thankful that I didn't pull the clergy card. It's not appropriate. But the officer ticketed me, reckless driving, too fast. To help reduce my points, I went to my court date up Hanover Courthouse to try to get traffic school, you know, driving school. <laughs> Been there, done that before. So, while I was waiting there in the courtroom for my name to be called, the judge or the court personnel called another person, a woman, and she went up to face the judge for her violation. And I heard her tell her story to the judge. I was moved. Have you ever been so moved that you just felt you had to do something? You don't know why, but you just have to do something. I felt the Lord leading me to pay her fine. So after the judge heard her case and told her what she had to do next, I went up to the court personnel and I said, excuse me, but I'm going to slip over to the payment window and I'm going to help that lady. And if the judge calls my name, would you just make sure that they know that I'm in the room? He said, yes. So I went over to the payment window where the lady was standing and I said, ma'am, if it's okay, I'd like to pay your fine. And she looked at me and she said, what? All of it? Yes, ma'am. All of it. And so I gave my credit card to the clerk behind the glass and said that I would like to take care of whatever her fine is and to make sure that they gave the receipt to her so that she could prove that she had paid everything. And then I went back to my seat. Then a little bit later, my name was called and I went up and there was the officer who uh, pulled me over and I pled my case and I said, I'm sorry, Your Honor, I'm, um, I was speeding and I'm sorry. And for whatever reason, the judge dropped the whole thing and I didn't have to pay anything. I'm not telling this story to make you think or me think that 
if we do something good, then something is going to come good in return to us. That's not the point. But the point is that both that lady and I received mercy that day. And both that lady and I received grace. An old Moravian prayer speaks to it in this way. Father, through your Son, we have learned that grace is when you give us what we don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't give us what we do deserve. Father, through your Son, we have learned that grace is when you give us what we don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't give us what we do deserve. Well, there's more to the story. I can't remember if it was a year later or how many months later it was, but our church was serving Caritas just as we serve Caritas here at Huguenot Road. And one afternoon, I believe, I believe it was the first day actually, the Caritas bus came and just as we do here, I was out in the foyer greeting the guests as they got off the bus to come into the church. And we happened to have all ladies that year. And as I was waving and welcoming them, I caught the eye of a lady that looked very familiar, and she caught my eye, and she said, I know you from the courthouse. And she came over and gave me a big hug and said, thank you. Enough said. The writer of Hebrews helps us to see mercy and grace in the person of Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews is helping us to understand the history of what it means for one to intercede on behalf of another and reflects Jesus' heritage in the Jewish system of sacrifice and offering. As God in human flesh, Jesus intercedes for us. As we said last week, He is our advocate. Intercedes for us in a way that we could never do on our own. And not only does He intercede for us, but He became a sacrifice, a sin offering on our behalf that our sins might be forgiven. He took our place and became an offering, holy and pleasing to God. The writer of Hebrews tells us that in the Old Testament times there were many priests that were called to this office because of their ancestry. They were from the tribe of of Levi. They were considered Levitical priests. And the, the virtue of their family enabled them to be in that office. And that death prevented them from being in that office. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But in Christ Jesus, everything changed. Because Jesus lives forever, He has a permanent priesthood. Not temporary like it used to be, but permanent. So the difference is resurrection. In verse 24, but because Jesus lives forever, He has a permanent priesthood. The difference is resurrection. Jesus willingly died on the cross for us. He was lowered into a grave. And on the third day, the Scriptures say that He rose from the grave and appeared to many. And the apostles testified about His appearing. And if you study the Scriptures after 
the, the resurrection, you can see the many accounts of Jesus appearing in the flesh, teaching the people that he was alive, that the grave hadn't contained him, that death hadn't controlled him, that he lives. And Jesus said later, I and the Father are one. And you remember the story of Jesus with Mary and Martha where he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, though they may die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And you remember Jesus when he met with his disciples the night before he died on the cross and said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then he said, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go there and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be there with me. You know the way to the place where I am going. He had been teaching them this all the while. And Thomas, who often either struggled with um, reasoning these things or just needed more information, he said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He lives. The resurrection is the difference. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not sleep, but we will be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the, imperish for the perishable must close itself clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, He gives us the glory through the Lord Jesus Christ. He lives forever. Because He lives forever, we have a permanent priesthood. Someone who always is interceding on our behalf. And one who became death, a sin offering, that we might have life and have it abundant. Verse 25 reminds us of this. That Jesus died and He lives for our sake. Therefore, He is able. Remember that. God is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives and intercedes for him. He, he died, but he lives for our sake. He lives to intercede on our behalf. If you've studied your Old Testament in the book of Exodus and Leviticus and in the surrounding texts, you remember that the Old Testament, the sacrificial system involved the high priest going once a year into the holy place of the sanctuary, also known as the tabernacle, later the temple, and would go into the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant of God was situated. The Ark of the Covenant was a beautiful box of acacia wood covered in gold, and inside it, as the writer of Hebrews reminds us in chapter 9, were the budding staff of Aaron, Moses' brother, the two tablets of the Ten Commandments, and a jar of manna, helping them to remember the manna that God gave them to eat while they were in the wilderness. And there were cherubim, angel-like creatures on either side of the top of the Ark of the Covenant, 
And the top of the ark was the mercy seat of God, covered, it was all gold. And once a year, the high priest would come in and take the blood from a slaughtered bull and splash it, uh, sprinkle it on the top of the mercy seat and also in front of the ark of the covenant as a way to offer forgiveness of sin for himself and his family. Then the high priest would take blood from a goat that had been sacrificed and would sprinkle it also on top of the mercy seat of God and in front of the Ark of the Covenant. And that was for the uh, atonement of the sins of the people of God and also for the gathered people in the family of God. And this would happen over and over and over again. And this system ended up becoming insufficient And God said, I'm going to bring a new way. I'm going to meet people in the flesh. I'm going to come down there in human form and not only be their high priest, but I'm going to die for them. I will be their offering. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood that we would receive him by faith. Romans 3.25 And he lives to intercede for us. He defeated death and lives today that we might have life and have it in abundance. So if you can just try to envision this Jesus as both our high priest who intercedes for our behalf and the sacrificial offering in one person, only God could do that. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. The hymn says, God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy our pardon. An empty grave is there to prove that our Savior lives. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because we know He holds the future and life is worth the living just because He lives. And because He lives and is with us, no matter what we face, He understands all of our needs. Verse 26, such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. He understands our need. And the literal translation of the Greek in this particular verse, it's emin eprepain, means he became us. He understands, meaning he became us us. He became one of us. He understands us. He has mercy on us. Mercy is to have compassion, chesed love, to understand us. True mercy is a voluntary sorrow that joins itself to the suffering of another. He became us. The King James says such a high priest became us. The Amplified Version, he is perfectly adapted to our needs. The Message Version, perfectly fits our needs. He is holy. He is blameless. He is pure. He is set apart from sinners. He is exalted above the heavens. He has been made perfect forever. We can come to Him whatever our circumstance. And like David, we can say, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all of my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
I believe that's what Bartimaeus was seeking along the road when he heard Jesus was coming. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Have compassion on me. Show kindness to me. Nobody else will. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus, you know what he did? Jesus stopped. Right there. Just like when the woman who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years saw him in the roadway and was following him in the crowd and touched the hem of his garment. And when Jesus felt power go out from him, he stopped and faced her and ministered to her and loved her and gave compassion to her, gave mercy to her. That's exactly what Bartimaeus received from Jesus. They said to him, the people did, he's calling you because Jesus said, call him. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want to see, Rabbi, I want to see. And Jesus said, go, your faith has saved you. And he could see and he followed Jesus. And the question for us today is, what do we want Jesus to do for us? This is not vending machine theology that we give and that we get something back or that we just name it and claim it. But truly, what are our needs? What are our heartfelt needs? Tell them to Jesus. He wants to know. And there's this prayer that I want to leave you with that Bartimaeus teaches us. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Ask him for his mercy. And when you receive his mercy, you and I will find grace. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for your steadfast love for us, for your chesed, your compassion, your understanding, your sympathy, your empathy that you entered into our place and experienced the scorn and shame of the cross on our behalf and defeated death that we might live as we accept your love by faith. We thank you. Help us in our time of need, whatever it is. And in you, that we would find mercy and grace.